Recently, there have been some signs in my life that I'm aging, I'm, I'm getting older. Um, gray hairs are popping up, like, daily. Uh, wake up at 5.30, like, ready to start the day, wide awake. I hear that's like an old person thing. You just wake up early for no reason. Um, but, but even more so, I've just started listening to CBC radio all of a sudden. Like, I don't even know how it happened. I was just drawn to it one day. I was like, I should listen to the CBC. And I, I, I started listening, and I'm going like, this is, this is delightful. Um, and like, I go back to the stations I used to listen to before, and I'm going, oh, like, what is this garbage? And like, I'm becoming this crotchety old man, uh, just happening. But one of my favorite programs on CBC radio um, is called My Playlist. And on this uh, this program, what happens is a Canadian artist, they'll take and they'll share um, songs from different artists that, that have impacted them, that, that has influenced their own music. And, and it's a great way to, to discover new artists, to hear new, new songs, but they don't just like play the song. What they do often is they talk about what was going on in the life of the artist or the person who wrote the song, um, leading up to them writing the song. And so when you hear that story before you listen to the song, when you hear the song, you go, oh, it, it, makes, it makes sense. Like, I understand the song so much more. Now, we're in our, our Christmas series called Songs of Christmas, and we're looking at some of the songs that surround the birth of Jesus. And today we're in Luke chapter 1, so if you have your Bible, you can open up there. Um, we'll be there pretty much the whole uh, morning. But we're going to start in verse 67, and this song is called the Benedictus because of its opening lines in the Latin Vulgate. Um, but it starts like this. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace." And so what we could do is we could take every line pretty much from this song and go back to the Old Testament and see how what Zechariah is singing here was, was talked about, was promised, was prophesied years before. But what I want to do this morning is something a little different. Instead, what I want to do is go to one Old Testament text and, and then just kind of set, set the tone there and then move on and explain what is going on in Zechariah's life, in the life of Israel that leads up to him singing this song, the story behind the song, essentially. So we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament. And through Malachi, God is saying to Israel, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, next chapter, verse 5 it says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land 
with total destruction. And so what God is saying here through Malachi is that before the Messiah comes, before um, I, I come to save Israel, there's going to be a prophet like Elijah who will come and he will prepare the way for the Messiah. And so Israel hears this prophecy and they go, okay, well, if a sign the Messiah is coming is that there's going to be a prophet like Elijah, let's watch for a prophet like Elijah. And so from that prophecy on, you can imagine that for Israelite parents, every time they have a baby boy, they're wondering, could this boy be the one who's coming to prepare the way for, Elijah, or for the Messiah, the, the one who has the, the spirit of Elijah? Now, Malachi makes this prophecy. One year passes, five years pass, 10 years pass, 25 years pass. No sign of this prophet like Elijah. A hundred years pass, 200 years pass, 300 years pass, and there's still no sign of this one that God has promised would, would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so it's about 400 years between um, what Malachi prophesies and what Luke is writing, and there's no sign of this one like Elijah that God promised. Not only is it 400 years um, without this, this prophet like Elijah showing up. It's 400 years of silence from God. God seems to have gone silent with Israel. He's not spoken to Israel through any of his prophets since the time Malachi made the prophecy. Like silence from God. They're hearing nothing. We don't like silence. Like, you guys are going, like, this is awkward. You really need to talk. Like, let's move this thing on here. And if you're like me, you find um, silence to be awkward, uncomfortable, concerning, if it's silent at the wrong time. Like, if you're a parent, you get this. Like, if, if your kids are off playing, and then all of a sudden it's like, I, I haven't heard the kids for a few minutes. Like, we really need to go check on what they're doing, because, like, it's, it's not going to be good. Rarely is it good, at least in our house, when, when, when Seth is silent. Um, but, but Israel, what's going on is God has not spoken to them for 400 years, and they find this silence troubling, because God, is, God has never gone silent like this before. I mean, their ancestors would, would always be talking about how they had the prophets of God talking to them um, on God's behalf. But 400 years, four centuries have come and gone, and the nation is waiting in silence, probably losing hope for this promised Messiah. Now, we, we go 400 years, oh, that's not that bad, but put it in perspective. We, we only just celebrated 150 years as a nation this past summer. Um, 400 years is like 15 to 16 generations. And so Israel is wondering, has, has God forgotten about us? Like, why is God not answering our prayers for, for the Messiah to come? Now, Luke picks up here in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. He says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And so Luke is introducing us to a priest and his wife, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is not a couple that you're really going to expect extraordinary things 
from. Nothing surprising. And Luke, Luke simply tells us they're, they're upright, they're blameless in the sight of God. They do their best to observe all of God's commands. Now imagine, um, Luke is saying here, they're, they're really old at this point, but imagine back many, many years before, and like Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've just gotten married, they're young, they've got their whole lives in front of them. And so on their wedding day, people are coming by and going, congratulations on, on, on this happy occasion. And then they're saying blessings on them and saying, I, I hope God gives you a big family. And that was considered a blessing in Israel. That's what they wanted. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth, they want, they want a big family, like a whole brood of kids. And so this is what they want. But they've gotten married, a year passes, no kids. Two years, no kids. Five years, no kids. 10 years, no kids. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it is, no children. And so you can imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth, all these years where they're wanting kids, they're praying and they're asking God for kids, but they seem to get no answer. And now Luke says, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're old, they don't have children. And their childbearing years, they've come, they've gone, no kids. And they've stopped praying for kids because they've given up hope. I mean, it's not realistic. Uh, Elizabeth's in her 80s at this point. Zechariah's probably in his 90s. And so their childlessness is, is actually quite a sore spot for this couple because not only is not having children a desire unfulfilled, not having kids in Israel at this time um, was considered like to be punishment from God, a sign of disgrace. And so people would look at this couple and they'd go, why isn't God giving them kids? I, I, wonder, I wonder what the priest or his wife did to deserve that. So not having kids is not just considered unfortunate like it is in our culture today. Um, childlessness was considered to be punishment from God for something they had done. But Luke makes it clear that they're, they're not, they're, their childlessness is not related to sin. He says they're upright, they're blameless. But you have to wonder and believe that Zechariah and Elizabeth are going like, why, why isn't God answering our prayers for a kid? Like, why is this happening to us. Now pick up in verse 8. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now at this time in Israel, there were about 18,000 priests, just like tons of them. And so all the, a priest wouldn't be at the temple all the time. They actually only had to go to the temple twice a year for a week at a time to serve. And, and Luke's saying, Zechariah's time to serve has come. He's at the temple serving. And, and while this happens, he gets the opportunity of a lifetime. His, his name is chosen by lot, essentially a lottery. It's chosen by chance is what it appears, but God's doing something here to go into um, the temple and burn incense on the altar in front of the most high, holy place, sorry, where it was said God dwelt. And so this moment is the highlight of, of Zechariah's priestly career. Like, you, you can't get much better than this for, for a priest. He's going to go into the temple, burn incense, offer intercessory prayers that God would send the Messiah for Israel. And so um, not every priest gets the opportunity to do what, what Zechariah is about to do. And so you can imagine when he hears he's going to be doing this, he wants to make sure he does it right. 
And so he, he goes to the priests have gone in before, and he goes, what's it like in there? Like, what do I expect? What should I do? What should I say? What's the appropriate length of the prayer that I offer in here? And so Zechariah's thinking about the words he's going to use. He's, he's carefully rehearsing and practicing it because he wants to get it right. He doesn't take this duty lightly. And so the moment comes, the people are praying outside. Zechariah heads into the, the temple, and he's at the altar in front of the most holy place. And he, he burns the incense, and he offers the prayers. And then Luke says something happens in this moment, starting in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's a great way of saying somebody's like really old. They're just well along in years. Um, But the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were praying for, or were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And so Zechariah is freaking out in this moment because nobody told him to expect an angel after he, he offered this prayer because it hadn't happened before. And so Gabriel first has to be like, calm down. I, I'm not here to hurt you. And then the angel, he says, um, your prayers have been heard. And kind of with what follows that sense, we, ex- we expect that he's talking about a prayer that was offered that they would have a child. Like some, some scholars say, maybe Zechariah took this opportunity while he's in this, this place, this holy place, to ask God for this special personal request. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's the case because Zechariah takes his his job here very seriously. I don't think he'd, he'd take that opportunity. And Gabriel here, he's, he's talking about a single prayer. It's not about a prayer in the past. It's this special prayer. It's the prayer that Zechariah has just offered for Israel. And what Gabriel is announcing here is, is more than just this older couple finally getting a child. Like that's good news, but, but the news Zechariah is receiving is actually much better than them finally getting a child. The big thing happening in this moment is, is Gabriel saying that intercessory prayer that you have just prayed as a priest, asking for the Messiah to come, has been heard and it is going to be answered. The one who was prophesied about in, in Malachi, who would prepare the way for the Lord, is coming, which means the Messiah himself is coming very soon. And like in this moment, God has just shattered 400 years of silence with his people. Like God is saying, I have not forgotten my people. 
Now, the news is a bit sweeter for Zechariah and Elizabeth because, as we see, they're, they're finally getting their boy. And, and this child is going to be um, the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. And, and remember, this is the prayer they would have given up hope on. They would have abandoned years and years ago. But God did not abandon them. And there, there's something important to notice here. Really simple, and I know we just came off 10 weeks of prayer, but we see it so clearly here. Like, God answers prayer. God answered Israel's prayer for the Messiah. God answered a couple's prayer for a child, but it was at a time and in a way that nobody really expected. As we, we studied in the Breakthrough series, God's timing in answering prayer is, is much, much different than ours. When it doesn't make sense to us, we have to understand God sees the big picture and he's working towards this outcome, the redemption, the salvation of his people. Now, you, you think Zechariah as a priest, as a, as a faithful Jewish man, would be excited uh, that the Messiah is coming, but he misses the point here. Like He misses the point that the Messiah is coming and he gets hung up on details. And he goes, like, I, how can this happen? Like, my wife and I were, were really old. Like, that just doesn't happen um, these days. And he's essentially saying to Gabriel, I don't believe you. If, if this is true, you've got to give me a sign. You, you've got to prove it to me. It's kind of funny. Like, he's seeing an angel, and he's still going, like, I don't believe you. I, I, I need you to prove it to me. Now, Zechariah doubts the power and the plan of God because he thinks, based off his argument, he and his wife are too old for God's power and God's plan to work here. Now, we might go, oh, Zechariah, you're so ridiculous. Like, uh, how could you do that? Um, but before we cast judgment on Zechariah, I think we're guilty of the same things. Sometimes um, we doubt what God can do. We even doubt what, where we sense God is leading us because we go, no, it, it, it hinges on me. Like, I'm the limiting factor here, God. And so we'll say, like, I, I don't have enough time to do that, God. Um, I don't have enough resources to do that. There aren't enough people. And we look at us and make excuses why God's power, why God's plan won't work. And we, like Zechariah, often doubt God's plan because we actually believe its success hinges on us. And, and in this, we have to understand, Zechariah is not the one answering Israel's prayer. He's not the one answering um, his prayer for a child. That's God. And it's not Zechariah's ability that makes this happen. It is God's power. God is able to make the plan succeed. And so Gabriel's like, okay, you want proof, Zechariah? Be quiet just for a while and watch what God does. And so he says, you will not be able to speak until this baby is born. And it says he's mute, but I honestly believe it's not simply that Zechariah can't talk. I believe that Zechariah is deaf for this nine months, that he can't hear. And I'm going to show you why um, in a little bit. But in this moment, what's happening is there's discipline, but there's also grace. There's discipline in that Zechariah doesn't believe what God says he's going to do. And so he's, he's made mute. He's made deaf for these nine months. That's discipline. But there's grace in that Zechariah asked for a sign for God to prove it, and God's just given him a sign. Like, here's, here's your proof, Zechariah. Here's your sign. But there's also grace on top of this. Imagine Zechariah comes out of the temple, 
And he goes to the people and he goes like, guys, you would not believe what just happened in there. I was in there, I offered the incense, I prayed, and uh, an angel appeared to me, and he said, you know what, the, the one who's like Elijah is on his way, which means the Messiah is coming to redeem Israel very soon, but guess what? Even though um, Elizabeth and I are like super, super, super old, we're going to have a boy. He's going to be the one to prepare the way for Elijah. And people would think about that and be like, Bleh, that's gross, um, but then they go like, you're, you're crazy. We, we don't believe you, Zechariah. Like, there's no way an angel appeared to you. There's no way God's sending the Messiah. It's been 400 years, and like, you're, you're probably just going crazy, Zechariah. That's, that's it. You're senile, senile old man. That's probably what would happen. But after 400 years of temple routine, an old priest comes out of the temple after a prolonged time. He can't speak. He can't really hear, and he's, he's trying to make signs to the people. And what they conclude is this. They conclude on their own that God must be doing something. Like, Zechariah doesn't have to say a word to make them conclude this. He can't. And so what we see here is that sometimes what we view as a curse may actually be God's um, blessing Often when we say this is God's discipline towards me, it's also God's grace at work in our lives as well. Now Zechariah goes home and, and soon his wife Elizabeth becomes pregnant. In verse 25, she says, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And so for nine months, Zechariah can't speak. Zechariah can't hear. And this is, this is kind of a hard time for that to be going on, I'd say, because think about it. He's missing out on all that fun baby preparation time. Like family and friends are stopping by and going like, congratulations, you finally have, have your child. It's this, this happy time for the couple. And, and Zechariah can't hear it, can't really talk about it. He's just kind of there, but not there, sitting in the corner, probably just like smiling and nodding, waving every once in a while. Imagine um, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they go out shopping, like, let's get ready for this baby. Um, and, and they're in a store or something. And she's like, do you like the blue one or do you like the yellow one, Zechariah? And he's just like staring off into space and she's getting frustrated. It's like, it's like you don't even hear me, Zechariah. You don't, don't say anything. Like, I think that still happens with couples today, actually. Maybe that's not a great example. Um, but can you imagine nine months of complete silence? You can't, you can't hear you can't speak. Um, it's just you in your head. And think about it. You've got this awesome news that God has given you to share. The Messiah is coming. God is going to redeem his people, but God has made you mute. You can't say a thing. I mean, what's, what's happening in this time in your heart? Like, are, are you getting bitter and, and angry towards, like, God, how could you do this to me? Or, or is it causing you to rely on God is the relationship deepening in this time. And maybe you're in a season like Zechariah where it's difficult and it's, it's painful. And what is stirring in your heart? What is coming out of this time? Is it, is it, are you moving towards bitterness towards God, towards other people? Or are you actually moving towards a deeper relationship with God, a reliance, a trust, a love for him in this difficult season? Now verse 57 the baby arrives, and it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. 
Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is the child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So the boy is born, and it's a boy just as as God said it would be. And when it comes time um, to name the child, all the relatives are giving their opinion as to what the boy should be named, like some things don't ever change. Um, but, but they're all like, call him Zechariah. Name him Zechariah. That, that would be so meaningful to his father. Like, Zechariah is a good name. And, and, and they, Elizabeth hears that they're going to name the child Zechariah. And she's like, no, his name is to be John. And they go, that doesn't make sense, Elizabeth. You don't have any relatives with the name John. And they go, I know what we'll do. We'll ask his father, Zechariah, if he likes the name Zechariah. And in asking him if he likes the name Zechariah, he'll probably side with us and we'll get our way. And so they, they, they ask him, what do you want to name the child? Now, verse 62 is why I believe Zechariah was both mute and deaf. It says they, they make signs to him. And here's the thing. You don't make signs to a person who can hear you. Like, if, if you do, that's just kind of rude to do that to a person. Like, if, if he can hear, couldn't they simply go, do you want to name the child Zechariah? And he could go, or, like, it, it would be as simple as that. But they have to make signs. They play charades um, together to do this. And so Zechariah, um, he hears this, and, and what he does is he gets out a tablet, and he writes as clear as he possibly could, his name is John. He's going like, don't mess this up for me, guys. God was, God was adamant that his name be John. And the name John means God is gracious. And as soon as he writes this, as soon as he, he declares that God is gracious, Zechariah is, is able to speak. He's he's able to praise God because God has been gracious. God is showing um, grace to Israel and that he's sending the Messiah to redeem Israel like they prayed. God is being gracious to Zechariah and Elizabeth in that he's finally giving them a child and it's a child who's going to play such an important role in the coming of the Messiah. God is gracious in that he forgives sins. And so as as Zechariah is standing there, he's he's holding this, this miracle baby. In this moment, we see what nine months of complete silence, just Zechariah alone with his own thoughts, has done to his heart. And he, he, he can't help but praise God. And this is, he sings the song that we, we read at the beginning. And it's not just a song of praise, but it, it is a prophecy inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the way we know it's a prophecy is because who is the main star in, in the song? It's not his boy. Zechariah is singing a love song. He's talking about what Jesus is going to do. Zechariah is is prophesying what Jesus is going to do even before Jesus is born. Zechariah loves Jesus before Jesus is born. And so what does he prophesy about? 
Well, he sings what Christmas is about. He sings about the birth of Jesus and what, what is going to happen, what God's going to do when he sends his only son to the world, that God is going to pay the price to free his people, that God is going to accomplish our salvation. He's going to fulfill his promise to Abraham to make his ancestors into a great people and bring them into the promised land. God is going to give us victory over our enemies. Sin, death, hell, demonic powers will be conquered. God will erase our sins and show us the way back to relationship with him. God is going to take away our disgrace. God is going to turn our sorrows into joy. God has come to save his people. Zechariah is saying, God has not forgotten us. Now, one of the things I want us to take away from this morning is that who you are, what you do, who you influence, whatever it is you're going through right now, it is not detached from the mission and from the plan of God. And often when we think about life, we go, well, here's God's power, God's plan, God's mission, and over here is my life and all that my life entails. And we think of God's mission, his plans, his purpose, whatever it is, not having much to do with what's going on over here, that they rarely coincide, that they rarely have anything to do with one another, most more so never, um, that my life has little to do with God's plans. But, but in this, we see that God takes an everyday old childless priest and his wife, and he uses their hurts, their pains, their struggles, their desires, their lives to prepare the way for the Messiah. And just like he did um, with, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, God will use our abilities, our roles, our influences, our pains, our struggles, our successes, everything in our life to accomplish his plans and purpose. And if, as a disciple, you have to understand you're not just saved, that you've been invited into the greatest thing that God is doing in the world, which is the salvation and the redemption of his people, that God works to save people through the lives of faithful, everyday people. Now, if, if you're going, well, how, how do I know I'm involved in this? Because God has never spoken to me audibly. I, I've never heard the voice of God out loud. I've never, like Zechariah, had an angel appear in front of me and go, this is what you are to do and give clear, explicit directions. And so we might go, since God has not spoken to me in that way, obviously God doesn't have anything for me to do. He doesn't have plans for me. If, if that's your thinking, you are mistaken. Like, don't diminish what God wants to do through your life. Because of what Christ did on the cross and, and in his resurrection, you have something that Zechariah and all of the Old Testament people would be incredibly jealous of. That the, the Holy Spirit resides, he lives within you. And the Holy Spirit in you, he, he, he counsels, he guides, he gifts, he leads, he speaks to you. Like, we often look at guys like Zechariah and like, man, you got to see an angel. Or we, we think of guys like Moses, like, you got to, to, to hear the voice of God. And we're incredibly jealous. But it's the opposite. No, they would look at us and know God lives in you. That, that is so much better than what I got to experience. And it's not just the Holy Spirit in you so you can experience the warm fuzzies like, ah, God loves me. Like that's in you so that you can participate in the mission of God, God's mission to save and redeem the world. And if you're, you're here like, 
going, you sound crazy. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's okay. Um, maybe you're going, why is the, good new, uh, the news of Jesus coming good news? And it is because without Jesus, we cannot experience the grace of God. That is why the coming of Jesus is good news. And if you want to talk about that more, please talk to me or, or Greg after the, the service. But I don't know what is going on in your life right now. What pains, what hurts, sore spots exist. And maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for a child. Maybe like Israel prayed for the Messiah to come. You've been crying out to God and going, please help. And you feel like you're experiencing silence from God. I just want you to know God has not forgotten you in this time. Um, Someday, just like in Zechariah's day, God is going to shatter the silence. And when Jesus returns, he's going to fulfill everything that he has promised. Because as Zechariah is saying, God is a God who does what he promises. He finishes what he starts. And when Jesus returns, all of our sorrows are going to turn to joy.